Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 230 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, it's just me and Zach, and we're talking about Leger, the uh, World Cup mountain bike race that happened last weekend. Sadly, uh, Michael and Elizabeth both out on assignment for, for this episode, so it's just, just back to the two of us. And, uh... Yeah, it was fun to chat about this race, and I'm not going to waste your time up front, and we're going to get right to it. Uh, I just would ask that if you're feeling generous and want to be part of this community, to head on over to WideAnglePodium.com and become a member and support all of the great shows we have going on on the network, like Nowhere Fast, which Zach hosts about, uh, let me get this right, real racing on fake bikes i i know i can never do it anyway that we got that criterion nation rob kelly is killing it he's got Ida, uh, boise idaho coming up uh and other races to cover he's got his power rankings and everything else going on soul ride podcast uh doing what they do grodio that we got two great up new episodes up on grodio including amanda Naman's breakdown of what it was like to race the 350 mile unbound xl race and uh, the YouTube channel featuring race previews by Little Guy. I got my own uh, cyclocross and other videos up there. Michael's got his crit videos up there. Go check it out. YouTube.com slash WideAnglePodium or WideAnglePodium.com slash YouTube. You decide. Finally, if you like what you hear from Zach and I, we got a newsletter that we do that we would love for you to subscribe to. Uh, again, we're expanding. We even got an article from Rob Kelly from Criterium Nation on there. He's doing his power rankings in print form as well, so you can check those out, uh, along with all of our mountain biking and cyclocross and road racing now coverage at cxhairs.substack.com. Okay. Leger started with this. Ugh, that was awful. Let's get started with this show. We got myself and Zach. We're talking World Cup mountain biking from France, and we're doing that right now. We are back in the media pit, old school media pit. This is this is like World Cup Iowa City in the barn, kind of the origin story of of the media pit. It's just it's just me and Zach talking talking mountain biking. So you're you're gonna have to stand in here for Michael today, Zach. Zach, how's it going? You know, Bill, I couldn't think of a pun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we spent a good two minutes in the green room trying to workshop a good pun, and I, I think it just shows that uh, you know the team we've built in the media pit that we we need Michael. Yeah, uh, we really do. Um, he is covering some criteriums. He's getting ready to head on the road for some more hot lap summer he'll be heading out to boise and salt lake city but yeah i guess it it kind of shows uh you know that we need the whole team here uh as a team effort but i i am excited that we are kicking it uh kind of old school and throwing it back i was trying to think of like what the vibe was Uh, i mean we say it's a barn but it's not it's not actually it's a barn it's like just a large building amongst many barns (laughs) i guess a little bit different if we were like an exhibition hall yeah, yeah. I guess it, it definitely would have been different if we were in like one of those actual barns that had like the hay and smelled like cow manure and <laughs> stuff like that and had, you know, uh, something like that. The Grinch popping up out of nowhere. 
Um, but yeah, no, no, it's uh, bummed that uh, that our, our friends here aren't here, um, but still excited nonetheless. Yeah, and we're going to talk about uh, Leger. Very nice, very nice. I'm sure that the French would not be offended by that pronunciation. Just kidding. The French are op- offended by, from what I've heard, every pronunciation of their words by I, Americans. It, 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 I, this was going to be my... I couldn't figure out how to do it. I was going to try to work in some... Uh, I remember how to say Leger by remembering the uh, tennis player from the 90s, Guy Forget. Yeah, okay. spelled forget, right? So, <laughs> kind of the same thing. Uh, is that kind of how, like, we, you know, here in Minneapolis, we, we often shop at Target? Exactly. That's exactly it. That's how, that's how you would, that, that's a great, uh, a great place to to get the pronunciation correct for Leger. Or, or. Uh, well, let's just jump into it. So I, before we talk about the racing, I think we with uh, with Leo Gang, we kind of talked about how it was this weird in between, right? It wasn't the first two. It was a standalone. You have Tokyo looming as this big target. Uh, and we still saw kind of like the usual suspects winning, but I was looking back at least at the men's results and we saw some, uh, like a, a hodgepodge of names in that like third to, to eighth position. Um, and I think, I think this race, it seems like riders, we saw kind of the hitters, the riders we expected more so to be up near the top. So do you think, I don't know. I was thinking that maybe you would treat this as kind of like a B race and get ready to taper. You know, how do you, how do you think they were approaching this event? I think that you definitely saw that in a lot of riders who were peaking for those earlier races. And I do, I do believe that this all world cups are important. I mean, that's the, that's the great thing about the world cup schedule for mountain biking similar, you know, I've, I've said it before. It's similar to the NFL where the games actually matter as opposed to, you know, if you're into major league sports, baseball or basketball where, well, okay, we were, we, we lost those three, but it's okay. Cause we got the next, you know, 80 games to play. That's not the, that's not the case here. It's like all the, all of these events are important, but I think we also talked about, as, as you mentioned, the Olympics every four years, is just a whole different animal. And that is, the A plus plus triple A quadruple A race. That's what everybody is keying in on. And the races earlier this year for a lot of competitors had Olympic uh, implications. They were trying to make their team squads. So those became very important races. This was not an important race for anybody, right? This was just, um, I don't know. I think if, I think it was a good opportunity. Would you? I think this was a good opportunity. If we go back to our topper sub toppers, this was middlers. A good opportunity for some people to sneak in there, possibly if they really wanted to train for it. Yeah, I think that if you were not, um, I guess if you were hoping to do well uh, at the Olympics, but I guess I was kind of looking more towards the top end, you know, and trying to see kind of what the the top athletes were looking. I would guess to it's do. not there, right? Uh, it's weird though because you want to be you want to be riding well. I mean, this is your last this is your last test, but we also know that fitness can be fleeting. They're facing this. I mean, it's a long long plane ride for for everybody to to go to Tokyo um, to adapt to the heat. So there's all these different factors. But I mean, at the same time, you want to not you don't want to like come into it and be terrible. I don't know. It's really weird. I I don't know what I would do uh, necessarily or how I would approach it. I guess I, my approach would be more of like a B race. I want to be in pretty good form. I'm going to peak and then I'm probably going to taper through Tokyo. So, yeah. And you even, you even heard it a little bit, you know, not to, I I don't think, 
I hope nobody treats these things as spoilers, like we're going to reveal the winners by the end of the of the episode here. But I think you even heard a little bit of it in Luana LeCompte's interview where she was talking about being able to hold her form for these four races. And, and you, you sort of have to think like, yeah, you know, how long can you do that? And can you do it for another month? Which is basically what, what you need. Well, I said, we'll say for this show, we did it with, with over ISO. We do it every year with Hugo Heide. We overanalyze the last <laughs> race before the big race that we care about. So like, let's just make sure we sneak some, let's, 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 what do I call it? Let's, let's overreact. Yep. Bill, let's make sure we do some overreaction to what happened. So should we uh, talk about Kate races. Courtney now then, or should we just wait? <laughs> uh, no, sure. Let's talk about that. So, uh, she, I was thinking about this, um, you know, she hurt, she broke her hand, um, and she was home training and I kind of wonder to what extent, uh, you know, she was able to some, I'm sure some of that was indoor training, riding the trainer or some of it was riding outside. Uh, but I think we've seen where these, like even an injury like that, it's just, it, it, it's, it takes, it sets you off your game. It's weird. Um, and I'm sure some of that is just like the self-confidence and the confidence in your ability. Cause like you can train really hard, but I mean, she just, she didn't look super great, uh, she did not look where I would want to be uh, three weeks out from Tokyo. And I think there's a good contrast to be made because we we have her situation and then we have an analog one on the men's side, which would be Tom Pitcock, right? I mean, broke his collarbone, what, like yesterday and was, was racing? I guess it's been a month now. Is that about right? He's had a month to heal and he was out there racing. The, the difference in those two rides, and didn't do great, had a DNF, had a couple crashes, I think was actually played it smart by by dropping out of the race. There was no sense in fighting for top 30 or whatever he would be doing at that point. At one point, he was 91st, I think, when he dropped out. So good decision. But the difference being that we saw Kate in the early season a little frustrated with how things were going for her. And even at Nova Mesto, just the worst luck in the world with the crash and the broken um uh, shifter and, and a flat you know just just a a a just carnival of bad luck a- and and all and not getting the results she wanted i think she started the season with really high expectations even and even was able to say okay i'm still working into the season and then she wasn't able to make that progression because she got hurt and got knocked out of it where on the other side you got pidcock who was like, okay, let's just, you know, I don't know if they engrave gold medals. I'm assuming they don't, but if they did, they'd be putting his name on it right now and just be waiting for him to come to Tokyo the way that he was racing. And then he had this injury. So he was like top of his game and then got hurt. I mean, he was born to do this, Zach. And and then now had a really off race. So it'll be interesting to see how each of them respond. You know, I guess, I guess the thing is the expectation is that Pitcock will be back to the level that we've already seen him this season. The hope is that Kate can continue to build, to get to where she wants to be for the Olympics. Yeah. So I guess uh, flashing back to the conversation we just had about, you know, where your form is. And I guess we, we admittedly, I guess on this 
we put Kate under a microscope. She's American, <laughs> uh, but she's also very open. I mean, she's hard to miss on social media. I'm not even sure if I follow her and I still see all of her social media posts. So I think you, you get an insight into her training and the work that she does. It sounds like she put in like a massive training block when she was home. And I just kind of wonder if getting that builds into that frustration of I'm frustrated, I feel like I need to compensate and that maybe we'll see if that's the right play um, in terms of going maybe a little too deep because you're kind of walking that fine line. If you're too, if you're too blown, you might not get those fitness benefits at the time that you want. So I just kind of wonder if that kind of plays into all of this, that it's just been a frustrating thing. And we've, you know, we've known that Kate has had a laser focus on the Olympics. Like she wanted, she wants to win the gold medal. Like it's everything to her. And, uh, it's hard. Like, I don't, I, you know, this is why coaches make good money or are expensive is like it, it, the human physiology and figuring out both the mental and the physical component, I think is, is super hard. Uh, so we'll see if it pays off for her, but for Pitcock, I mean, I, he's very mature. I think he has a plan. I think he knows kind of what's what, uh, I'm pretty sure he was involved in that crash early on. So, I mean, you know, he was chasing from the get, and like you said, I think he just knew, I mean, he still made up a lot of spots. I mean, he still got all the way up to 12, yeah, but I think amazing. he knows, you know, he's raced enough to just kind of pull the plug and maybe have that confidence. So maybe him having those results, like you said, gives him the confidence to say, okay, I can pull the plug. I know I can get to this. Like, let's get healthy. Let's get to Tokyo in one piece. <laughs> yeah. And especially, and we'll, we'll talk about it, but especially in the short track where the, that, you know, he got that, he got that ramp wrong. And I, I think that that was just not having enough reps, you know, that he, that he played it wrong, but he's, with a broken collarbone and just to see the way this, he sort of laid himself out. I think everybody was like, Oh, don't, don't hurt yourself again. So I think there was a little bit of like, let's just, let's just be chill here and uh, make sure we go into Tokyo healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think overcome the injury. I mean, that's one more point. I guess I'm, I'm still, I dislocated my shoulder and I had surgery in February. I know personally, and like, I have not mountain biked. I've, mountain bike sitting up on the wall and I'm contemplating taking it off. And I know I, it's just going to be embarrassing, like how timid I ride. And, you know, that's one thing that even if you're an elite athlete, like those, those thoughts are in the back of your head. And, you know, I've, across the board, you hear athletes talking about that, even at the elite level, like you remember it's in the back of your mind. So, you know, I think for Kate, especially getting out there, racing was good. I mean, she definitely gave it, you know, a good go. And so hopefully knowing that she can do it and get through, it'll give her that confidence and she can get, you know, a few more reps, as you say, uh, in under her belt. But that may be, that may be kind of what holds Pidcock back. Like hopefully he can get those reps as well, because as we'll see, uh, some of his competition has been getting plenty of reps and uh, looked great. Yeah. And the other thing with Courtney and I think we should move on to the short track is that she's, for, you know, as you said, she's omnipresent on social media, but at the same time, this is the first time in a while the spotlight really isn't on her there. There are women who are looked at as favorites and it's sort of crazy to think about it. She's not one of them at this point. Right. So, so there's a little less, she, she really doesn't have the pressure of this is my race to win, except maybe in her own head, which is valid, uh, going into the Olympics. Like, I don't think she's getting that outside pressure. Like she may have been, if she was still world champion, if she was still just, you know, winning weekend and week out. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's a great uh, daily affirmation for that about being an underdog. I don't think she has to reach <laughs> too far for that. Uh, so women's short track, and I know that you were just, I know that you were going to do this. You did on Twitter. I actually, uh, 
I was, I was working at my day job. I, you know, it's like I was working <laughs> and couldn't respond. So I'll just respond. I know what you're going to ask. I really liked the short track. I thought this was a great short track. I thought this was like the platonic ideal of a short track course. I thought it was great. Yeah. And to, and to set it up. So I, I like to give Zach, I, I think that Zach and I probably agree on a lot of this stuff, but hey, you got to have a little conflict. So uh, I like, but this week, I think we do um have different opinions on this. I like a wide open short track. I think it should be wider. It should look more like a, a crit. It can still have some features, but everybody should have the opportunity to move up. I, you know, when we discussed it before, Zach, I think you were saying, Hey, it's, it's, it's more fun if, if there's actually things that separate people, uh, much like we saw with the new Nova Mesto track. And this was, this was good. I think that this may have, this may have met both of our qualifications where it was hard there were some features, there were some cool little jumps and rocks and stuff, but at the same time, you know, especially with that, uh, uphill switchback area, if you had the power to pass somebody, it was available for you. You didn't have to work, but so hard. So there was, and, and I think that it was to do that. It took a lot out of people. So they really, you know, we saw that, especially in the women's race, you, you there, there was strategy that went into how you did on that race. And I think that what we saw in the women's race was a great performance by Jenny Rizvids. I think at the time she, everybody was like, the, the analysis was she went out too hard, too fast, too soon, uh, especially with like two to go where she's attacking and it didn't work out for her. What I love about Jenny Rizv is after the race, she was like, yeah, I know I went at the wrong time, but I, I, I wanted to be able to test myself and see, see if it was possible. I wanted to get out of my comfort zone. Is that just a, you know, post-race rationalization? Maybe, but at the same time, it was kind of cool that she's just out there going, well, let me see what I can do from here. Yeah, I, I think I I agree I, with your assessment of the course that I think it had what we both wanted and that he'll... I mean, I, I don't want to be in the situation where I'm like, well, this hill is not good enough, but this hill is just right. But I will say it. Well, Goldilocks it. This hill was just right. You had some amazing, like, those attacks were fun to watch. Like, wrist feds went, I don't, I don't know if we've seen an attack that hard from in the, you know, in the women's race in a short track race this year. It was awesome. And she did it like three times. So it was like super fun. It was decisive. It was a situation where you had to be hammering that riders were setting. It was like a crit riders were setting the pace up that, that hill. And if you didn't keep pace, you were getting dropped. And that to me, it made it compelling throughout. I mean, it made it compelling that risk beds went a lap too early. Uh, it, you know, uh, it made it compelling and we can get to this, that PFP again, totally played her competition like a freaking boss. But you know what I really loved? I loved an AB line that kind of mattered on a short track race bill. Talk us through it. Uh, I it was so it was interesting uh, that if you watch, I went back and watched the uh, the XCO race, and so an XCO lap is about twelve minutes, and this is one of those features that you you picked up maybe half a second, let's say maybe like half a second, and so in the XCO race, everyone was just taking the B line, so it was like a big rock mound uh, that you could go straight over. You could kind of have to like weave your way. And I think it put you in a bad spot coming out of it that if someone was going straight over behind you, you might get pushed off your line or whatever. Yeah. So if you're, if, if you're facing the rocks, your straight line is right over the rocks. And then your B line is to the left of it where you almost have to make an S curve 
through the little rock garden and then you come in and sort of bisect the lane of the person who's going straight over the rock. Yeah. Yeah. Bill has been describing cyclocross courses for over a decade and he totally nailed that one as always. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I think you saw, and I, I think you even saw where it became a necessity in the men's race where you like, you get back to like fifth place and they're all just like, yeah, no, I'm not risking it. But like, <laughs> you know, Fluky sent it and I don't know if Sink wanted to ride it, but he had to, he had no choice because it was actually, uh, you know, in a two minute lap, half a second matters in a 12 minute lap, half a second plus the, the conditions, which we'll get to didn't matter. So I, I loved it. I thought it was awesome that there was like a meaningful beeline, a beeline. And it also was the, the type of situation where that a line and it's debatable, right? If that was even faster, uh, and it took a lot more technical skill. But the other thing that mattered, especially in the short track, that is if you took the A line, you were at the mercy of the person coming out of the B line who was in more control. Like they they could break, they could accelerate, they can do whatever they want. You're committed. You're on the top of a rock with about a two and a half, three foot drop to get back down to the ground. And out of the, your corner of the eye, you're seeing if somebody's going to cut you off or not. So I think that once, if you are first, it's kind of a no-brainer. You just go over the rock and you go and you accelerate out of it. But after that, it, it's sort of a gamble because you lose the control of that landing zone. And it's really up to uh, how aggressive the person who was either behind you or just ahead of you who took the other line is going. So it's, I, I, could, see, I could see why what you're saying, you know, once you got back three, four, deep and they were all lined up everybody's taking the b line because it's just not worth it yeah well and i think there's a little bit of a, a cyclocross barriers component to this too and i think you saw this with flukager's first attack uh, when he just went ballistic in like the second lap but if you take the b line you you're you carried speed so it's like bunny hopping the barriers. You carried speed out of it, and it was a match you had to burn to get up to speed coming out because it was a tight chicane. I mean, you had to like you had to use some quality mountain bike English and hip movement to get around that. But then you know you're kind of slowing down and you have to reaccelerate. And we saw with the you know sheer number of just I mean there was an it was ten laps for the men, nine for the women, and they were going bonkers on like every time up that hill. So that's just another little match that you had to burn uh, in there. And I think. You know, especially in the men's race, I think Fluky took 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 advantage of that for sure. Um, but yeah, the women's race, uh, Risveds. I don't know. What were you, did you think that she was going to send it? What was it? Was it with two to go or one to go? I felt it was two to go. Um, I don't know. I liked it. Sure, why not? Yeah, it was great. Two to go. She went, and then she got to one to go on the climb again, and just just didn't have it. And I think it was was it Lecomte who then took over and went out front no was, uh for on provo front uh, well PFP. no but pfp just, I, th I thought made a late attack did she come i think front? she attacked the climb in the last lap okay if i'm not mistaken i just watched it before yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh I'm, i i think uh which makes sense because we saw her kind of uh play who did she play earlier oh, yeah lecomp lecomp was way back there it was cena fry was up there with her linda indergrand who's just a a a short track specialist coming from that uh Eliminator background. Um, oh, Laura, Laura Steger was was up there as well. But yeah, it's it's you, you watch Pauline from Provo race these short tracks, and you you, you want to see her out there racing on the road again as well. You think just like what she would do in these road races because she just 
uncanny in how perfect she's able to plan her attacks and just sit in and just wait for the perfect time. She got to the top of that, attacked, went out front, and then, you know, there was really, it was the kind of thing, like, once you got past the A, B line rock garden that, being good cyclocross people, we spent way too much time explaining. Uh, there wasn't much of a sprint. You know, once you made that turn, if you were first, I think you were going to to take the win. So, much like she did Nova Mesto, played it perfectly. PFP taking the wins. A great, great confidence booster for Cena Frey, who I don't think you would necessarily peg as a short track racer. I mean, she's a she's kind of a climbing specialist. So, really nice uh, race for her in second. And then uh, Rizvez hangs on hangs on for third. I really, really, really thought you were going to say, you know, this is why it would be great to see Ferran Prevost still racing cyclocross. That is also, I, you know, I think I've said, I've said that a lot and I would, uh, I, I will get to the, to the, to the XCO race, but there was a pivotal point in the XCO race where her and Evie Richards are coming into a different rock garden, one higher up that, uh, Pauline, dismounted and sort of took this outside line. Evie dismounted and took this inside line and just, just cut off, you know, it was almost like tape to tape cutting off the apex that she just nailed and came and picked up like a second on her and then passed her a couple. Yeah. Let's I want to talk about that, that feature for sure. I want to, I want to overanalyze that feature for sure when we get to it, but yes, fair. My point about that whole thing was like, when that happened, I was like, this is why, you know, uh, Pauline needs to brush up her cyclocross skills and get back out there and race. So that, okay. All right. That, that's, that is, that is, uh, that is fair. Um, if I'm going to overreact, I guess one thing from the, the women's, uh, short, track race i think is just how strong wrist beds looks uh and i yes. think that that was foreshadowing but i think it's also a sign of i think as fans we're looking for we're turning our desperate eyes it's like with with pitters and and wout for cyclocross for the men we're like please someone get strong and challenge like just challenge the comp to make it interesting like and i think we'll get to it but i you know if i'm going to overreact to just one thing from that race it's that uh jenny wrist beds might be our might be our our hope. I think so. Let's uh, just uh, finish up on the men's short track. How it turned out, you know, Matt uh, Fluky takes takes the win. Just flawless race. Uh, but again, again, a good fight. I think there were what like fifteen or twenty guys up there, even in the last lap as they came around. Uh, he just played that perfectly. Really nice to see Jordan Saru up there uh, showing off the world champ. Stripes uh, finishing second, Andre Sink, the dangler. Um, he was super stoked that he was able to perform in the short track. It's sort of like Cena uh, Fry on the women's side. He is a self-proclaimed not short track guy. So <laughs> for him to, he was uh, surprised with his effort, which was uh, which was cool. So those were your top three there. Any, any real surprises that we saw? Oh, Pitcock. So we talked about Pitcock. I mentioned it earlier with the injury crashing in the short track. While moving up, looking like, okay, this was going to be, this is his forte. You know, we were kind of, we wanted to see where he was fitness wise and he started slow, but then as you said, 10 laps, lap after lap, he's just moving up, moving up, moving up into the front group. And then he, it was kind of a dumb crash. You know, he's sort of on this little lip at the top that there was some bad British mojo on, on that feature that that somebody some french person uh sort of put down on there 
uh, that because it did grabbed Evie in the um, uh, XCO race, which we'll talk about as well. But uh, so we then we just counted Pitcock out because he crashed and he was done and it's over. And you just see people just just flying by him. Turns out he goes and just uh, fights his way back from, I think, 30th. I think he was 30th with two to go and he ended up 16th. Yeah. And I think what I I love, well, not love, but I guess to a point, I think we discussed on probably the Leo gang one is, you know, should there be a short track and does it matter? Uh, I, I think it, it in Pitcock's case, based on what happened in the, like that first corner melee that he may have been caught up in, like he, I mean, his XCO race in theory, in very realistically, could have been ruined by that mistake in this race. You know, he started second row. We saw even in the short track race, he got off to a terrible start. He was the first row starter, and he was, you know, they were commenting on how bad his start was, and so one could conclude that starting on the second row, maybe he was in like nineteenth, twentieth place, and you know, in the the XCL race, only the top like twelve or fifteen guys got through that <laughs> muddy melee uh, unscathed, and so. Does short track matter? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so we move on to the oh one. I guess last note, uh, Nino ended up ninth in that race after. Look, he he's not having the season he wants, and maybe this is the end of the end of the run for for Nino. But he's not going to quit, Zach. He is going to put himself at the front of these races as as much as he possibly can. He is not. I know that there is criticism of him out there for one reason or another. Quitting on a race is not one of them. <laughs> well, I, we, I mean, we, we beat it to death during cyclocross season. You don't win the race by not being in first. So uh, good for him. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I just actually I saw someone was posting. Someone wrote something about watching Roger Federer. I guess he just bowed out in the third round uh, and, you know, it was just kind of about how great he was or, you know, he's one of the all time greats, but that, you know, uh, father time stands undefeated uh, and it can be tough to watch. I mean, I don't think we're seeing, we're not seeing anything like cringeworthy yet. I mean, there's hints that like it could all fall apart and it's just like one of those, um, but you know, still at the same time, he's a competitor. You don't get to the point where you've won. I mean, we saw it with like Jordan, even Jordan came back, like, f- which was dumb, but when you're that level, when you're that good and you need that drive to compete that like you try to, uh, stand athwart father time yelling, stop and defying it, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it is what it is. I think it's what made him great. And you're right. We'll probably, we'll see him for another couple seasons and, you know, um, I, you know, I we'll get to it. He's still on the podium. Let's uh let's move over to the cross country races quickly. Just mention uh, the U twenty three results on the men's side. It was Simone Avendetto. Name name that we haven't heard. Well, it's because the uh, Canadian and the American weren't there. Uh, Riley Amos yeah, so- and uh, who's. The- Who's the Carter Woods. Okay. Yeah, they weren't there. So look at the North Americans being generous, letting some Euros win. Yeah. You know, Riley Amos in, in the U.S., uh, he is going to be competing in the U23 National Championship this coming weekend. Uh, we can, I don't know. I, I will table my, um, my, uh, my 
conversation about why nationals, uh, is when it, where it is. I understand the scheduling. I understand with COVID and everything else that it had to go somewhere. And this was the weekend for it. I think it's disappointing that some of our top riders, especially on the women's side are, are unable to, to attend and compete. Yeah. Um, no, it sounds like a good time maybe for uh, another cat five wide angle podium, special content. It's been a while since Maybe. you've done one of those bill monologue rant. <laughs> uh, so the thing that I liked this course, I, I, you know, it's at a bike park. I think that as a bike park, it put some of its better feet forward versus like Leo gang. I had no interest in riding at Leo gang. Um, you know, I mean, the descents were gnarly. The roots were played into the, the conditions. We had some Rudy off cambers, uh, some really, uh, you know, technical descents. And then we had, I was trying to think of a race for that grassy kind of off camber. And I think like a race like Havara, you know, there's that section in the field where it's always muddy. It's really slick. I think over Isa has a section like that too. Um, I, very like interesting that you have this bike park and then more interesting sections are like straight out of our favorite beloved discipline cyclocross. Here, here, here's some possible, connection and maybe some foreshadowing for the big drop and right hand off camber section a little hoger Haida ish circa 2018 oh nice yeah whenever pfp and um yolanda got oh. tangled up right oh yeah that is oh man that's a great deep cut yeah um Oh, before I forget, also on the women's U23, big surprise, Zach. I hope you're sitting down. Wait, hold on. Am I ready for this? I, I, I did, did Mittens, Mittens win? Mittens, Mittens was able to squeak by and uh, win by three minutes and eight seconds. Oh. She needs to get, she needs, to, I, I don't know what the rules are. I think you can just move up if you want to become an elite. Um Mountain it should biker. be my rule. My rule is, you know, in, in local racing, you win twice. You, you get one. You don't have to cat up. You win twice. You cat up. I think she needs to cat up. Yeah. So 2002. Geez, she's younger than everybody else in this <laughs> in this race as well. They're all 1999. She's 2002. Uh, yeah. So. So, Bill, what I loved about the conditions, I loved that, especially in the women's race, we got the old cyclocross changing conditions during the race. I, you know, I think that that's one of, I don't know, it's just one of my favorite things. Like I remember uh, Jingle Cross in um, tw the Katie Keogh year where it was like just started pouring right before the race and like everything that you did in pre-ride, everything that you dialed in, every line, you just had to toss out the window. Uh, and this is one of the cases where you had to do it mid-race because it was it was tacky. It was a little wet early on, but I think literally halfway through the race, it started to rain uh, and you saw things get much, much more treacherous uh, very quickly. But we still saw a number of a number of crashes uh, in that that women's race um, early on. So it was kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a very dynamic race in that regard. The, the one thing you can say about. Loana Lacombe to go along with, I, I made the joke, you know, that the, the rest of the field can, can take some consolation in knowing that at least as strong of a, uh, climber she is, it looks like she's gotten better descending too. So now she's faster than anybody going down as well. 
The other thing that she does or doesn't do is crash. Yeah, she 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 had a clean race. So even even put all that strength and power and descending skills and match it with be it luck or skill or both. This was one of the I think this was very similar to a cyclocross race that we've seen, some of these nasty ones, and we'll we'll talk, you know, we can talk about the Rizviz and PFP where it wasn't really if you were going to crash, it was when you were going to crash and how you recover and react to that crash. Like there are going to, everybody's going to make mistakes. It's just minimizing those mistakes and, and not letting them destroy your race. Yeah. And I think in some regards though, you, you, you call it luck, but at the same time, I think the reality is that LeCompte is on just a completely different, like orders of, you know, on the Richter scale, at least two orders magnitude of 10 above everyone else that you, sometimes you call them, them, mistakes that due to luck but it's because you're pressing so hard and like you know that you have to like you just make mistakes right like look at anyone who tries to ride with vanderpool like in cyclocross like you're just gonna make mistakes and i just kind of wonder uh i don't know i the wrist feds once seemed like kind of an unforced error uh you know uh i don't know that one you know she bounced back but i mean let's get to like the second so the first maybe surprise, right, in my write-up for the bulletin, I was, like, borrowing from our buddy Rob at Criterium Nation about what changed. And, you know, we've seen where LeCompte gets to the front, she does her attack, and she's gone. And to to Rizved's credit, like, she kind of kept her in check and then made a mistake, but then caught her again. Like, you're kind of like, what? We're in the second lap. They yeah. on the climb, the PFP and Risveds bridged up to 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 Lecomte. Like, I mean, at that point, were you were you were you thinking? I mean, I was still waiting for the inevitable because there was still a long lot of race. What were you thinking, kind of when that happened? Because it was different. It changed something. It, yeah, no. I, well, a, I was thinking this is awesome because we don't want to see another Loana. You know, at, at some point, Loana Lecomte sponsors. And we, we, I've said this about Matthew Vanderpool in the past. Is like you get too far ahead, and you're not even on camera anymore. The, they, they just like say, "Okay, you're done. You're gonna win. We're gonna go back to the interesting part of the race and just watch the chase," which is which is what'll happen a lot. Uh, but but here, just having everyone, or not everyone, but Rizvids and uh, PFP come back to her. I, I think that that trio right now, and you know, we can get into our topper, subtoppers, whatever. And you, you have like McConnell and you have, uh, um, EV and, and other, other folks in there who will sort of play with the front, but you're not really thinking they're going to win. But out of that trio, I think they are that they have proven themselves to be the three strongest. So it, it was, it really set up nicely to have an actual close race for the, for the top step. But yeah. And then, and then the, you know, LeCompte race super clean and the other two did not. <laughs> yeah. As I said, it was the best two and a half minutes of racing. Cause I went back and timed it <laughs> along. Uh, but I, so what do you think? I mean, to me, like PFP was like aggressive, you know, and she was making moves trying to get to those technical features. I mean, what, what's going through her mind? I mean, she was, you know, she was on on track last year to be Olympic champion. She is the top dog of French mountain biking. And, like, here comes this kid. I mean, and she's old enough that, like, LeCompte is 
well, nearing kid stat, right? Like there's a big enough age gap. Probably somebody who looked up to PFP when she was a junior and just growing up as this is, this is the kind of, this is the, this is my hero in, in mountain biking for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it's just gotta be hard. I mean, like coming off where you're like, all right, I've done everything right to be world champ and I'm on part pace to be Olympic champ and have your countrywoman who's younger than you come in. I, it seemed like there was some of that going on. Like, I'm not going to let you have this. It like seemed like this microcosm of frustration to me. We're all, I think that the one thing we're all coming out of the pandemic or a lot of us, uh, having spent invested a lot of time in drive to survive and are now following F1 as well. And kind of the crazy thing to wrap your head around in F1 racing is that you have two drivers per team and those two drivers hate each other and they are enemies and they want to do nothing but just beat the other driver on their own team. And I think we finally saw a little bit of that from Pauline, where in every interview, she's very diplomatic. She's, you know, she says nothing but great things about Luana, but she was coming in hard and aggressive on that climb. And I really think that she was coming into this with the, this was, if not a statement, Zach, there were messages that need to, to, to be sent. And I think that that was, that was kind of the plan for Pauline to to send those messages you know especially we saw her in the short track we saw that she's just holding back on this power I I think the the unfortunate thing is and we'll get to it when she did crash that just took the wind out of her sails I think that she held back she's like it's not doesn't want to get injured or may have been a little hurt you know we kind of saw it in in uh Nova Mesto too after that crash just came back not as strong. So that was the unfortunate thing. So I think there really was uh, a a message to be sent and we never we never really got to 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 see it delivered. To to do a deep cut for fans of the uh, the media pit cyclocross version, I will I will note that she did not finish fifth, so it cannot be a statement. It can only be a statement <laughs> if you finish fifth. She finished fourth. Um, but yeah, I think she did send the message, but also LeCompte, I mean, to her credit, was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to let you have that position. And then PFP tried again and even almost threw a, did a little rub in his race in. She's like, yeah, no. I mean, like anything you want to take away from LeCompte, she's a great racer too. I mean, it's not just like she's blowing everyone away she knows how to race her bike like she clearly is you know did what she needed to do in the short track race she knows when she's strong when she can attack like she knows how to ride within herself i mean she's a great bike racer and it was you know it was it was (laughs) i'm just sure it was frustrating because even pfp's messages lecomte is like i'm not accepting these i i'm declining i i'm not accepting your collect call here (laughs) and i and i think you're right is too and we saw that with risvids going up against her as well. I think LeCompte is just right now is just able to ride these courses better and not put herself in vulnerable positions so that Rizvid's trying to be too aggressive on that rock section that I know you want to talk about and, and ended up in the trees and, and was amazingly able to recover. And then later in the race, just come out of nowhere to, to work her way back to second. But I think that, you can sort of feel for them because there is this rider who was, who is just killing everybody. And you feel like you can't, you have to be aggressive with her, right? You you have to take the fight to LeCompte or she's just going to ride away from you. So 
to their credit, at least they were doing that, but maybe a little too much so. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, clearly in this race, I mean, it's no, no, just like Leo Gang, the, the race was the race for second was the one to watch. But I mean, I still make note of the uh, we can make note and especially in light of what's occurring currently in the Tour de France, like uh, one of the announcers was like, oh, this was the cr- your cringe of the of the event was like, oh, she she trains harder than she races. And it's just like, oh. Hmm. okay i guess if that's the you know it's one of those oh that that's the message you're you're gonna send um so just kind of uh i don't know they're saying as a positive but i think like the history of the sport is just kind of like don't don't come up with a different message yeah or or at least play uh alan iverson yeah (laughs) um so yeah the, the the race for for second though i mean so you know, I think we established it's pretty clear who the, the Tokyo favorite is, um, but it's been very up in the air. You know, we had like Haley Batten was racing really well early on. PFP had a really strong race, the first race of the year, then had that crash. I think it's still very up in the air and, you know, silver and bronze, not so bad. Um, but yeah, let's just like this rock garden, right? So we talked about the deteriorating conditions. It was kind of like a from left to right uh, rock garden with one two three sets of like lines of boulders so it wasn't necessarily like the rock garden you think of where you just have to shoot through you had to go up and over up and over up and over um and you know you've talked about this bill that i think mountain bikers have this tendency to ride everything right that's your tendency like you don't want to you don't want to admit weakness and and get off your your bike um but we saw where it just they became much slicker um in between on top of the rocks especially as this rain started to to fall and you know, I think this was highlighted by like just the total boss move we saw from from Evie. So uh, Ferran Prevost goes in, she rides the first set of rocks, rides the second, but then she gets stuck and has to dismount. So she's way off to your right on the side of the screen. Evie's just like, yeah, no, I'm getting off right away, goes the inside line and cuts it. And, you know, I think we saw a lot of the men do this throughout their race because it would just turn to slop. But like, yeah, I mean, it was more than one second. She picked up like three or four, like... Uh, on that section. So I, it was just one of those cool moments that, you know, in on the media pit, we like overanalyzing, but it's it's that adaptability and maybe because EVD does do, still do cyclocross that she doesn't, she has no sense of shame in not being able to ride it. It was just really cool uh, to see that play out um, in front of you. And, you know, it's the kind of stuff that we just, we just love. Yeah. And it also was, it was good to see that she was able to work. One thing we didn't mention in the short track, Evie, everybody wants to, and we're guilty of it as well, say that the short track is Evie's specialty because she was just amazing in it two two seasons ago. And she, like you were saying, didn't ride the rush. She took the beeline and somehow lost her chain uh, in the short track race, which just took her out of contention. I don't, I'm not even sure if she finished, uh, but was was way back there. So mistake there, but then made up for it here, climbing just amazingly. I, I, I think just the the standout, other than Loana Lacompte, who we saw last season as well and sort of got a little preview of, of what was to come at Nova Mesto in 2020, Evie, top 10, top 15 racer this year just showing that she can hang with anyone and was just, you know, her and 
uh, Beck McConnell have had some some battles throughout the weeks, and she was able to get by her. Beck, I think, is a is a consistently better climber, but Evie on this day was able to 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 leave her, especially on the descents, and then even catching PFP and 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 passing her and getting her first podium in in a World Cup. Just just a superb effort. And then I think it's the just to, to, to finish up my thought on Evie, the professionalism and composure that she has. I was joking about that little wooden feature that has been cursed for uh, the Brits at Leger. She came off of that and got it wrong, like Pitcock did, and just slid down the hill. And with uh, McConnell like about five or six seconds behind her, was able to jump back up, get back on her bike right away, not let her affect her. Thankfully, her chain stayed on the bike that time and, and was able to, to hang on to that third place. So just really, really nice race by her. I mean, just put together probably, other than LeCompte, probably the best race of the of the day. Okay, third best race of the day. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's been, it's been awesome to see. I mean, I think... I don't know. I mean, I guess you just you look at Evie and I, I guess we like to over attribute skills to like other other disciplines, but it's clear that she does embrace racing in those conditions. I mean, you think back to I thought back to Namur. God, it was all the way back in 2017 when she was like 19 and just came out of nowhere and like blitzed the field at Namur in terrible conditions. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's right. It's 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 awesome to see. Right. We've been like, all right the knock against her is, you know, you were joking at Leo gang. She can't climb. And, you know, she goes into that last climb. You're like, she's with Beck McConnell. And she was, she put like 17 seconds into her. She just like opened up this massive gap and you're just like, all right, like this is cool to see. I mean, I think we'd be lying if we weren't, if we didn't say that we were fans of Evie Richards and that we've been fans of watching her, her race bikes. Like she's just such a joy because she just I, she's like a rider that has no filter she just rides hard <laughs> um and it it's fun it's fun to watch but it's also fun knowing that we've seen her all the way back to winning u23 worlds in 2016 to see her grow and just become a star you know i mean she's on the up and up yeah for sure and you know, talking one thing i just thought about when you're talking about that especially about cyclocross uh looking at mcconnell Here's how can I say this diplomatically? McConnell should race cyclocross because she's really good at 50 minutes. I was going to say the same thing. She faded so, and she's done it all season. Yep. I mean, I think that we were talking about is she elite? And I just, I, you know, this race to me says no because I don't, I don't see. Like, let's even take LeCompte away. Like, let's pretend LeCompte doesn't exist. Like, I just don't see her out racing at the end of an XCO race, out racing her competitors. She hasn't shown that she can do it yet, um, which is kind of interesting, right? That she has this race anywhere we even saw. Like, I think she left uh, Leo Gang and she was just racing again. Yep. <laughs> um, but maybe maybe she would benefit from some rest. I don't know. I, you know. Um, you know, we, but yeah, we even she, saw it. We saw it in the at Worlds at Leo Gang the year before where Lechner caught her and, and passed her for, for second place. I mean, it's just, man, you just want that, you want that last lap for McConnell. Yeah, but. yeah. And so maybe that's what's kind of holding her back and figuring that out. But yeah, that is um, something that I noticed as well because she ended up dropping uh, back to, to fifth. So um, yeah, 
I mean, overall, I, I guess like, uh, so the thing to look from, and we're going to do an Olympic, um, Elizabeth is on vacation right now and Michael is busy. So we're going to get them back when we talk about the Olympics. But I mean, it's tough to, to not notice how well Risvets has been riding. I mean, two straight second place finishes, you know, she won the battle for second and she, uh, you know, did her best to challenge LeCompte early. So, I mean, I think that it's, it would be easy to make the conclusion and we'll see what, uh, uh we may get to this later in the show, like who we're buying and selling. Um, I think that, you know, she's put on, she's on the trajectory I would want to be on as an athlete uh, three weeks out from Tokyo. Yeah, for sure. And she looks just super strong on those climbs. I think she even was, was putting time into a comp even on the later ones. And again, who knows what that means? If it's a, if they're neck and neck, you know, what's going on versus somebody who is, is up the road and can sort of meet out her, her uh, efforts. But I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm very high on uh, uh, what uh, Jenny Rizvids is doing doing right now. Should we move over to the men's race? Yeah, let's let's move to the men. So I'll just I'll start it off that uh, I think Flukager had something to prove. I think the argument could be made that yeah, he got the dub at Leo Gang, but it was a it was a B race, even like maybe even a C race, really for a lot of folks. And there was no Pidcock and no Vanderpool. So at least you had Pidcock and I, I don't know. He just raced like he, I'm I'm sure he didn't feel this way, but like he kind of raced like, Hey, I know I'm the man. I love these conditions. Like I'm going to win this race. I, if we go back three or four years to, Australia beginning of the season and this is when uh, Nino and Julian Absalon were at the top of their games best in the world and Flukiger hits that race and just just pulls the Flukiger just off the front just going all out and this is a pretty technical track with some really great jumps on it and he's just flying over these jumps tail whipping just going nuts and you could see nino and you know they're both swiss so they they know each other well but i think at that point this is when fluky had this reputation nino strongest guy in the world is like backing off he's like taking a couple seconds and going all right, you just go do your thing on the descent. I'll see you on the other part of the track. And without fail, he just like flies off the track, similar to what he did in Albstadt when he was winning that race a few years later and and just lost it. And I think that was kind of the book on Matthias Flukiger for, for years was just, he, he was a madman. And a lot of times it just went wrong. That's gone. Like he is still maybe the best descender out there. And that's kind of, you know, again, it's just similar to what we said at LeCompte. He's, he's great at climbing as well. He's, he's, he's the full package, but I think he has really sort of reined in the, the craziness on the descents and is much more focused on staying on course. And that's just a whole difference. And that just is why he is where he is now. And I think that it's um, going to be very tough to beat him. 
Yeah, I, I think, and obviously this won't be the fairest comparison given the comparable levels, but, you know, I just think of a rider I've seen ride a lot, and I think why his style for this course suited it perfectly, but he he kind of reminds me of watching Stephen Hyde ride at cyclocross. Like, Stephen Hyde is very comfortable, I call it his hide-risk, hide-reward um, style of riding, but uh, he's very comfortable, and Fluker just showed this, like, sliding out, getting loose, having good control of the bike, and I think that's what you need to be because you know i think we can just get into it watching it vis-a-vis the changler uh andre sink uh sink just looked wooden he looked stiff he was just getting eaten up by these features and it was flukager was able to call on just that ability to ride it was fun it was so fun to watch him just his fluidity um you know i look at like there was that long off camber stretch that was in the short track race that got really muddy and you watched where he just he comes up to it and he just blew by both i think it was like sink and someone else because he just understood that you just had to be loose but you just had to gun it and let it rip through that section and it was like mind-blowing to watch like how well he he rode that and i think it just played into his his strengths on this course when he got his decisive gap in the second lap yeah, it's also the type of thing where you have that confidence in your ability to master the descents and master those skills allows you not to have to redline it on the climbs. Like you're saying, like Sink and even Saru are just, they, they're going as hard as they possibly, Hatherly before he crashed, going as hard as they possibly can on the climbs because they know that's where the, that's their only chance to catch him. And then you know, they're bleeding through their eyelids by the time they're trying to go through those descents where I think Flukiger just has that ability to not have to do those efforts. I, I I think, you know, and again, I know people are probably saying, but Bill, you know, Pitcock was not at the top of his game. Matthew Vanderpool was wearing a yellow jersey 50 kilometers down the road uh, in the Tour de France. Yes. And I think that that will be, those will be the two competitors in the Olympics. That will be his competition. But right now for the riders that were there, he's just, he's on another level right now. And I think that, that, that confidence and that ability, as you said, just to, to be able to do these things under control is what's, what's given him the advantage. Yeah. And I think we've talked about, um, you know, just to talk, I guess, a little bit about the the race. I mean, you know, uh, Sink, to his credit, had another another great race. Like he's shown that he is, you know, he's a sub topper. Uh, he hasn't shown that he can win a race yet. But I think we also saw why the way I I learned this when when you dubbed me the Wisconsin dangler for my cyclocross results in 2019, always finishing like fourth or fifth, the, you become the dangler because you lack a certain skill. Um, that prevents you from being with the guys who are the complete package or have more than you do. And I think we saw, you know, it's his, the reason he's the Changler is because he is, his technical abilities aren't, aren't there, um, especially compared to Flukiger. But, uh, you know, I think I, on the broadcast, they were saying that he's improved and it was like, I don't know, I don't know. Like Flukiger picked up 13 seconds on a descent section, 13, like, yeah, that happens on a climb. If someone uh, 13 seconds on a descent, you know, and you look at like, say that Rudy off camber, like you could watch sync losing time in real time, like 
moment by moment. Um, and it just shows you just how dialed Flukiger had that while riding under under control. Um, and that's where he got he won the race on the descent. How often does that happen? Yeah, and I think that rooted section is perfect because it was almost like you could, if you closed your eyes, you could hear the difference. Like Flukiger, each one of those little little drops to roots was like a boom, 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 where sync was more like a front tire, doom, 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 mm, doom, and then go. You know, it's just so, the rhythm was so different, and, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you can just see the confidence. Um, and I mean, I would say that, like, this is just kind of like a... a I mean, we, we all aspire to be that good, but like as a rider, like if you are an amateur and you are riding is to, to try to learn to attack features like this and to have confidence that you can ride it well. Cause you could even see coming in the trepidation that sync had where Flukiger's just like, no, I'm going to have fun, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I think that the, you know, for me personally, that's been a thing I've learned is to just like attack features and enjoy it. And, uh, obviously there's a lot of skill that's involved, but you could just see where I think in his mind to sync was just kind of like flustered, uh, you know, he lost the, he lost the, the rooted off camber before he, he gave it a go. Um, and then the race, I, to his credit, I looked, his lead was 25 to 29 seconds for the rest of the race. Yeah. And Flukiger was just I, th- I think just just played this one perfectly where he wasn't you know he never really had to attack he was just able to to hold hold his his uh his margin and take it all the way to the line and and the the little bit of the you know screwing with everyone where i'm still gonna wear my warm-ups and race this race you know i'm gonna i'm gonna do this in the vest and uh just um you know if I if I overheat, maybe I'll have to take it off. But if you guys don't force me to, I'm just going to keep my vest on the whole race. Yeah, I, I mean, like, <laughs> it wouldn't be the media pit if we didn't devolve into, like, idiocy. His vest didn't fit either. Like, I mean, like, typically a vest fits. Like, I, he looked like, I don't know, I loved what Bill, it was almost like, I'm not going to do, I was almost like him making a statement. Like, I'm going to race in an ill-fitting vest. <laughs> Well, you know my theory on this of why he had the vest on. Uh, I, I'm going to guess to keep the kit clean for the post up. Yeah, exactly. He knew he was going to win, so he ends up. You know, he's coming down the the finishing straight, taking taking off his gilet and uh, throwing it to the side, and just uh, putting his hands up. And you can see his sponsors. You can see his beautiful, you know, uh, World Cup leaders jersey. It's still white in the middle. That's a pro move. I mean, it's the proest of pro moves. I'll take it as yeah. I'll take it as a flex. Who was the guy who you know, who made the leg warmer statement? Like you know, he, oh, it's not a race if I if I have my leg warmer. This was like four or five <laughs> years ago. It might have been Sagan or someone. Where it's like, oh, if I have my leg warmers on, you know, it's like a flex. Like oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do this race in my leg warmers and still beat you. That's you know, it's like one of those. Um, yeah. It's the person who shows up to a race in baggies and just drops the ever loving crap out of everyone. Is it a gold helmet? <laughs> I, that's just hubris man i yeah. to me the gold helmet i think is it's is, interesting uh, they were they were talking on the slow ride about it if um uh greg van Amerit does not win the olympics which he's not going to win the olympics in the road race will he continue to wear his gold helmet and i'm talking to my you know earbuds as i'm listening to this i'm like Avancini, Avancini. He hasn't won anything. He wears a gold helmet. 
if GVA wants to wear his gold helmet, wear the gold helmet. At least he's won something. It always comes back to, to Avancini. So, <laughs> um, well, we're we're at an hour. We had discussed doing some some stocks, but I think that might be better better held for the Olympic. I don't want to steal any thunder from from the rest of our crew, and I think that uh, we had a good race, and it was fun to to overanalyze some stuff here. So I don't know. What do you think? I think we should kind of kind of leave that bit. I think uh, we you know we don't do bits very often. But I think it's a bit. Uh, Elizabeth was even texting us while we were in the green room with some of her takes. So we'll let her deliver those on the pod. Yeah, uh, I think that's a, have good... a little uh, good way of framing it, I guess, because I, you know, I think there are things to to overanalyze. Um, uh, I guess the for the men's race, I think the most interesting. I, I mean, it, it literally, actually, right, like. I feel like journalists in cycling always do this because you're not supposed to take any positions as a journalist. Uh, they always just say, scratch their chins and say, well, this is very interesting. Uh, but I think legitimately, like this men's field is like, we don't know what's going to happen. And it's kind of amazing. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And there's some names that are starting to pop up near who look like they're doing. Uh, Simon Andreasen was, was one for me, not to tip my cards on my stocks, but just uh, looking like he's finally doing a little better on this new team and might be peaking at the at the right time. And just just to just to push back a little bit, Zach, what we've learned from the Tour de France now is that it's okay for journalists to cry. Yes, we did learn that. Yes, <laughs> um. <laughs> or the t- or the Tour de France, as I've been uh, referring to it. <laughs> that is that is fair so maybe maybe yes we are allowed to we're allowed to admit that but i mean we 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 don't know where vanderpool is i mean we saw where he was winning wearing yellow for a week winning a stage uh which was really really uh you know i'll say this like i mean since the media pit uh I'm on Team Wout, and we always talk about how Wout is more human although what he did on Ven do uh here today vendos as we're recording (laughs) this uh maybe suggest that maybe he and whatever um but i i think to me i for me seeing vanderpool and his tribute to uh raymond pulador and what that meant to him and to wear yellow and his relationship with his grandfather like I had i had some feels bill i was not crying but like (laughs) that gave me some feels and i more sympathetic to team team Vanderpool. I mean, I thought that was just really, really, really neat to see. Well, if anything, you're a cycling journalist and not a basketball journalist, so you could save you could save your tears for the Bucks. Okay, oh, fair. All right. Well, on that <laughs> note, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. So uh, we'll come back and we'll do. Yeah, we had the we wanted to um, trade some stocks on mountain bike racers and then also we're coming right up on the olympics so uh, i want to get everybody's uh podium picks uh, i put it out on twitter thinking we may have gotten it to it today so i already have some great uh podium picks for the olympics on twitter if you want to add to those just uh hit me up at cx hairs or or uh bug zach over at the shoe star and uh, listen to everything else going on on the wide-angle podium. Uh, Bodhi isn't here this week because he's got his Hot Lap Summer project that he is still working on. So he's out in Boise at USA Crits and 
and is uh, still covering the automatic cycling team and is also doing some more on board with Vander Gibbon uh, videos. Those are all available up on the YouTube page. They're, they're really great. They're really cool. Uh, so go check those out and um, we'll see you next week. It's great. Great doing it old school, Zach. Yeah, but I'm definitely looking forward to, to having the rest of the crew to having Elizabeth and Bodie back. So sounds good. All right. See ya. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.